Good morning. Good to see you. So I welcome you here today. I have just a couple of brief announcements. One is that it is library day. So if you want to go to the library, you just follow the uh, leaders at the appropriate time. And also um, today, just a reminder for those who are in confirmations, your assignments will be due. Rainy weather's not an excuse. <laughs> we'll see you at 4.30 in the social hall. And when the children's time begins, um, Elaine wants you to bring a grandparent with you if you have a grandparent here uh, as you come up. All right, let us be in our worship together.
Lord be with you. Let us pray together. O God, our Deliverer, guide now the people of your church that following our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. be seated and you young minds come forward now and see Miss Elaine and bring a grandparent if you've got one here or a loved one I guess. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? It's fun to have somebody up here with you, isn't it? But there's a reason why we have somebody with us this morning. I think I know the two hardest words to ever say. What do you think the two hardest words to ever say are? I think it's, I'm sorry. It's hard to say you're sorry, isn't it? Because that means you did something you shouldn't have done. Maybe you didn't obey mom and dad, maybe you ran outside when you weren't supposed to, maybe you snuck a cookie when you weren't supposed to have one, maybe you just said something because you were upset. And it's hard to go and say, I'm sorry, I did something wrong. But I want to tell you a secret. We do that as adults too. And that's why you have somebody here with you this morning is because we all have problems with saying I'm sorry and we all do things that are not good. One of the big lessons that Jesus taught us is that we can always say I'm sorry and our Heavenly Father will forgive us and our earthly parents and grandparents will forgive us too. All we have to do is go and say I'm sorry and they'll say that's okay. Now sometimes I'll have to tell you a secret that when parents are upset about what you did, sometimes when you say, I'm sorry, they're a little angry. And they might say something that they say, mm, I should have I said something a little different. I should have said, that's okay, I forgive you. And instead I got angry and said, you shouldn't have done that. You know better than that. So this morning, because it's Lent and it's a time of forgiveness, uh, I, I've got a little help tool for you, okay? I have little packages that have little crosses in them. And I'm going to give one to each of you, and I'm going to give one to each of your families. And any time you do something that you shouldn't have done, take one of the little crosses and give it to your mom or dad or your grandparent and say, I'm sorry. And it'll remind them that you're asking for forgiveness, and they'll say thank you. 
And if mom and dad or grandparents do something wrong, they'll give you one of the little crosses. And they'll say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sound angry. Please forgive me. We all need forgiveness because we all do things that are wrong. And in this season, with the great forgiveness that God gave us through his son, it's a good time to remember to say, I'm sorry and forgive each other. Let's pray. Dear God, help us to learn to say I'm sorry and help us to forgive other people for what they've done. In Jesus' name, amen. The first scripture reading is in Psalms 121. It's in your pew Bible on page 965, if you'd like to follow along. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
received an email from Katie this morning. She wanted me to thank all of you for your prayers and concerns during uh, Duncan's uh, sur recent surgery. Uh, the surgery went as expected, and he is improving every day. And he, they're at home, of course, uh, recovering uh, from that uh, or ordeal. Also, um, I want to let you know, uh, since he attends this service, it's at Don Lewis came through his surgery okay, but he is still in a lot of pain uh, from where he broke his leg into two places. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Oh God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. Oh eternal God, before we came looking for you, you called us into covenant to be your people. And because of your reaching out, we are your children. And we come this day to sing our praises to you, O Holy One. We're reminded this day that time and again you call us to live by faith. But we must confess that we often try to live upon our own understandings and live in our own will. We know that we are to meet uh, the precepts of your law. But we also know that to do that, we would have to be perfect. So instead of relying upon your grace, we try to be perfect, and we can't be. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand that our reliance upon ourselves and not upon you and your will is sin. And in this sinfulness, we take before you, uh, we come before you this day in our sinfulness and we seek a new way of life. And we pray, oh Lord, that you'd have mercy upon us and that you would not count what we've done against us, but you would also look beyond us and look at the righteousness of Jesus Christ because it is by his righteousness and by his perfect will 
that we have been born again. And so this day, O oh Lord, help us to understand this rebirth that we have through your Spirit and give to us a new sense of this new creation that you're turning us into each and every day. Give us a new sense of our responsibility as faithful people of God. We're reminded this day that there are many who are being called out from their familiar places. Some are being thrust into despair because of disease or, or, or because of problems within their families, their community. Some are fighting uh, demons of the mind. Some are fighting the low spirit. And Lord, many just long for a, your presence in their life and to feel your hand touching them. Help us, O oh Lord, this day. We lift up to you everyone who's been named in our prayer list those that we named with our voices and those that we name in our minds now. We pray, O oh Lord, that for us to remember that you are our keeper and help us to turn over all situations to you, O oh God. And all those that we lift up to you, may you protect them and watch over them and transform them. Oh, Lord, you are the one who made heaven and earth. You are indeed our help. Hear us now as we pray. In the name of Christ our Lord, and as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward now to receive our tithes and our offerings.
may be seated. Here on our second Lenten Sunday, our scripture points us to an encounter Jesus has with Nicodemus. I think most people like Nicodemus a lot. Nicodemus was a man who tried to do all things right. He lived as he'd been taught to live. He prayed as he had been taught to pray. He worshiped as he had been taught to worship. He was a credit, I think, to his family. He was honored by his peers. But Nicodemus, like so many people, he recognized that Jesus was special. Jesus came from God, but he still didn't quite grasp Jesus and didn't grasp what Jesus was trying to tell him, especially about being born again. And here's the passage. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees, and Pharisees, you know, were the predominant religious group at the time, named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus in the cover of night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. And in reply, Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus asked, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, no man can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. For the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for that spirit that Jesus was trying to explain to Nicodemus that day. We know that spirit is with us even now. And oh Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to understand. Help us to understand about being born again and how important that is and what that is. We pray in your name. Amen. You know, I, I do a lot of traveling, whether I like it or not. And, you know, one of the things when I travel, I, I bide my time by sometimes by just looking and observing things instead of having the radio on all the time. And one of the things I like to look at and observe are church signs and, and, and bumper stickers. And it used to be there were a lot of bumper stickers on cars, not as many today. But I, ran a, I saw a bumper sticker that said this, God has no grandchildren. God has no grandchildren. Now, you know, it took me a while to grasp that, the implications of that word, those words. And I got to thinking that I think this is what it meant to me. It meant to me that it was not enough for a person to have grown up in a religious family. It was not enough for you to have a godly parent 
or a godly grandparent, it's not enough. Now that's important. And I thank God every day for my godly parents and grandparents who helped me through the days that I was under their care. But it did not prevent me from going astray at certain times in my life. Yes, I believe God has no grandchildren means that every person has to make their own personal decision. They have to come to their own conclusion about God and about whether or not Jesus would be their Lord. And then they have to act accordingly. You can't claim it and not act it. Now, on the one hand, that sounds kind of rough. That means you can't count on your parents or your grandparents to get you into heaven, can you? But on the other hand, it means something really important. And that is that it puts everyone on the same basis before God. It means that everyone is equal in God's eyes. And it means everyone is responsible in, to God themselves individually. And that really is good news to know. It's good news to know that you're the one that must be accountable. No one else. No one else can cause you not to be accountable. That's good news. But even better news than that is the fact that we are to be born again. That we are to be born from above. And this tells us volumes, I think, about the process involved in becoming not one of God's grandchildren, but becoming one of God's children. Think about it just for a moment. Think about your first birth. Think about all that you went through. Think about floating in your, the womb of your mom. Think, think about the fa your, when you were conceived. Think about all that. I know what you're thinking. I don't, can't think about any of that. I, I don't have any memory of that. That's exactly right. And you didn't have anything to do with it either, did you? Not whatsoever. You see, and it's the same with being born again in a spiritual sense. God brings it about. God plans it. God executes it. God showers us with what we need for that spiritual birth to happen. This is grace that we don't deserve. It's grace that comes before us. We call it provenient grace in the Wesleyan movement. It's the, it's the grace that works before you even know there is a God. Just like a baby in the womb that is surrounded by fluid that's life-giving. So God surrounds us with His Spirit, protecting us and sheltering us, growing us, taking that little seed that is us, this little seed of faith and making it, turning it into a big tree of faith. Now, think about it. Actual birth is the same. It's not the work of the child. It's the work of the mom. Oh, there might be some help with doctors or nurses, but it's not the work of the child. Just like it's not the work of you when you become spiritually born. 
It's the work of spiritual midwives, if you will, of friends and family, of teachers and preachers and neighbors and friends who help birth you into this spiritual birth. In fact, the only thing that we have to do on our own is what our bodies want us to do, and that is to breathe. Breathe the air of life. Breathe the air of the Spirit. How can you be born again? Simply wanting to breathe. Wanting to breathe the breath of God. Willing to trust the Spirit and to believe the testimony of Christ concerning the kingdom of heaven. Being born involves surrendering, of being willing to be pushed down the birth canal, of going with the flow of the Spirit in a childlike faith, knowing that God is in control of this situation. And all you had to do is go with the flow and encounter and breathe the Spirit of God that is waiting for you to be reborn. You know, when I began questioning the direction that my life had been going and and started trying to figure out what God wanted me to do with my life, and I got lots of messages from different people and friends, even strangers, about what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing. And, And before I could grow into this understanding, I knew I had to grow in my faith in Christ because I knew that my life was imperfect. I, I knew that I had done many things that I was not happy that I had done. And I had, I had failed in many ways uh, living up to what my parents and grandparents had expected of me. I could not see how God could live in me because of my sinfulness. I couldn't see how God could bring about a new birth in me I was like Nicodemus. I didn't quite understand how all this could happen, and especially in relationship to Christ's journey to the cross and into the tomb and then the resurrection. How all that fit into this. I wish I could tell you today that I understand it completely, fully, but I still do not. There's still so many mysterious aspects to it. But things did change. And because of the efforts of the Spirit that had been working long before I felt the urging of the Spirit, because of the efforts of many people who loved me, who prayed for me, and many strangers, many encounters with strangers at odd times in my life that I can't explain, that had a word of encouragement or or a word for me to understand. All these things finally came together and I started to change and I began to be born again. I began to be a new person in the faith with much to learn. Oh, I still have a whole lot to learn. Much growth to undertake. But it's a growth that is going on daily and it's a growth that I believe that God will continue for many years. To be born again, we had to give up, first of all, our disbelief. We have to give up our belief, too. 
We have to give up our belief in our own righteousness or our own goodness or our belief that we're in control. Our belief that we know the answers. For some, that's very hard. For others, it's not as hard. We have to give up thinking that our goodness that we do have somehow or another counts in God's eyes. That somehow or another what good we have done, we're deserving of some favor from God. We have to give that thinking up too. You see, that's profit and loss thinking. Profit and loss thinking is fine in the, in the, in the business world. But profit and loss thinking doesn't figure into the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, God doesn't give you stuff based on whether or not you did something or not. God showers you completely, continuously from the moment that you're conceived with His grace. His protection. Some of us know about it, some of us don't. But God's hand is in all things. God's protection of His creation and His spirits that He has imparted into living beings is not something God takes lightly, not the way man takes it. Yes, we have to give up our doubt. We have to give up our way of confining God to little boxes of narrow thinking and, and let God be expansive in everything. And let Christ do His work. And when we do that, when we yield and surrender, what happens? What happens after we surrender to God? Allow ourselves to be pushed down the birth canal to our new birth in Christ. What happens? Well, a new life begins. A new way of seeing, a new way of feeling, a new way of thinking comes about in us. We begin to see things in a different way. We begin to see things with spiritual eyes. And we start to discover truths that operate in the world and truths that operate in our life. And we learn new ways of dealing with each other and with ourselves. And we learn to live differently. It is amazing to me how often I have heard this said about people who've grown in the faith and others, and even I've heard it said oftentimes about me, to me also, when, when of course what, what they're saying is, you used to be a, an SOB, <laughs> but you're different now. You, you become different even though you can't see it. You know, I, when somebody says something to me like that and my family or friends have known me from, from when I was a kid till now, I always say, yes, I am. I'm still that same SOB. And they're like, I said, I haven't changed. They said, you have changed. You just don't realize how God has changed you. God is working on you constantly, changing you. Constantly. It's just like the world of an infant is different than the world of an embryo. There is different in the, you and who you were before after you were born again. And there's really no explaining it. 
except to say that in your spirit and in your being, you know, you know that things are better. You know that God is with you. Doesn't mean you won't still have problems. Won't mean you won't still suffer. Won't mean you won't still cry in pain. It just means you are not alone. And you know you're not alone. It makes you special, but not special. Think about it. You're special, but it doesn't mean you're special. And people must treat you differently. It mostly means you should stay humble. Be as humble as you can be because of this wonderful grace that God has decided to impart towards you. So, if you've lost that feeling, let me tell you first of all that it's still there because you are believers. Just we were talking this morning, I'm pre- sometimes you preach to the choir, which means you're preaching to people who already understand, but lots of times our, our faith grows low. It grows weak from the problems that we encounter every day. If you feel that way, it's a very simple way to get it back. Surrender. Surrender whatever it is that's worrying you. Surrender whatever it is that's causing you to be anxious. Surrender whatever it is that drags you down. And believe that God is there with you every step of the way. Believe that God knows the beginning from the end. Believe that God, who so loved this world, which is the rest of Scripture I didn't read, God said His creation was good. He's not going to abandon it. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, and whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. Look to Christ when you're in those low moods. And to start over again simply means to breathe and to trust the breath of the spiritual air that God is providing. And then to maintain it. It's simple, simple, but oh, so hard for us to get in the habit of doing it. Dwell in His Word. If the only time you ever read the Scripture, hear the Scripture read, is on Sunday mornings, you're not dwelling in the Word. Pray in His Spirit. If the only time you're praying out loud or silently is when you're praying in worship service, you're not praying by His Spirit. You're not praying. And then live as if you believe. That takes faith. Live as you believe. It takes faith, not doubt. And then you will experience once again how God can birth you again. Yes, you can be born anew and grow in the Christ, grow in Christ, and grow in the life that God has made for you. And that's my hope and prayer for you this day as we continue this Lenten journey, as we go with the Lord to the cross. Amen.
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, may they be yours this day and each day. Amen. Thank you.